Welcome to New Life Bible Church, and thank you for joining us. Every week, listen to practical teaching of God's Word you can apply to your life as you live out your faith every day. Our vision at New Life is that you may know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. Here's this week's message from New Life Bible Church. I can do. Today I will be taught the Word of God. I boldly confess my mind is alert, my heart is receptive. I will never be the same. I'm about to receive the incorruptible, indestructible, ever living seed of the Word of God. I will never be the same. Never, never, never. I will never be the same. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Thank you, Lord, for your word today, Father. I just thank you as we continue in this series, Lord, that you would not only strengthen us, but train us, Lord, to use your word and to use the power that has been put inside of us, the power of resurrection. Lord, I thank you that we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us, Lord. I thank you that you could do exceedingly abundantly above all that we could ever ask or think according to the power that is inside of us, Lord. So help us, Lord, to learn and to grow and, and to uh, ask you, Lord, what you expect of us, Lord, in the powerful name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen, amen. amen. So we've been on this strengthening program and uh, growing up spiritually, and so uh, let's take that more into the natural a little bit this morning. So we, we've been doing our workouts, you know, our bench presses, and we've been doing, uh, you know, our cardio, and we've been doing, uh, you know, our, our, our curls, and we've been, so now we're all buff and ripped, right? Come on, all right? Don't look in the mirror, but we're all buffed and ripped, and we're ready to go, right? We're like all strength and but like in any sport, and I'm going to talk about football today because today is the official. We started Thursday night, and, and uh, you know I have never in my life rooted for the Dallas Cowboys, uh, but I, I did, and, and they ended up losing because of that referee. But anyway, <clears throat> um, it's, still an, it's still an L, man, so you, can't, you, can, you can put an asterisk next to it. It's still going to be a loss, so you can't do anything about it, but... Today, football, you know, we have a whole afternoon of NFL football. And these guys, uh, they did an actual study to see what type of athlete or what type of man uh, could end up playing this game of, of American football. And so they took 100,000 men and they put them, uh, they, you know, they told them, we're going to do a, a study with you guys. Go ahead and train and, and we'll put you through camp. And they did all that. Well, out of the 100,000 men that were, that were athletes and trained and strong and everything else, only 10 of them were actually at the level of athletic ability to be able to play at the professional level of the NFL. Out of 100,000, only 10 were able only four actually played. So ten were able, but only four actually played. That's the, the level of these guys' athletic abilities to be able to go out there and do what they do. Now, some of them, you know, they, they just need to be big and strong and, and, you know, have arm strength and be able to, you know, keep people from getting to the quarterback and things like that or to get to the quarterback. You know, some of these guys are amazing. They're 400 pounds, and they move like they're 200 pounds, and I don't know how they do that, but they can only do that for so many years, though, I can tell you that much. 
But they, they have physically trained and they've, they've become strong, which we've done spiritually. We've trained and hopefully you're reading your word every day. You're going to our devotional, as it says in the, in the announcements there. We have that devotional. and uh, I put those together for the last month or so. And I've been able to, you know, I put them, so I kind of, sometimes I go, am I going to go read the devotion? I've already read the devotion, and I even wrote the little thing before. But I've been going back to them and reading them again, and even reading the thing I wrote, and I was like, wow, that's pretty good. Did I write that? (laughs) Right? And I go back there, and I read, and we're in Colossians right now, and I'm, uh, you know, I can't wait till you get to Thessalonians. It's just uh, uh, so exciting uh, reading the word this way, right on through there, and knowing who's writing and why they're writing, and I'm trying to give you some little details about uh, why it was written and how it was written and to who it was written before you read the daily devotional. But I would encourage you to do that. If you don't exercise daily your spirit, you're not going to be strong. And uh, so, and you're, you're not going to grow. So we've been talking about that and we've been strengthening ourselves. We've been growing. But now that we've uh, 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 achieved some type of uh, physical uh, uh, agility and, and strength, now we have to learn how to use that. Not everyone who is strong and physically uh, an athlete can actually play a professional sport. So we want to, there's guys in in golf, I only can talk about the sports I know, but there's guys in golf that compete on hitting the ball the farthest, and they hit the ball, you know, 400 yards plus. Like the the one guy that's in the actual uh, PGA that hits the ball the farthest uh, right now is DeChambeau, and he hits it 364, 365 yards. And if you know anything about golf, that's like incredible. But these guys that that uh, professionally play the long ball, they don't play in the PGA. They just have these com- competitions uh, a couple times a year. They don't actually play golf. They're just able to hit their driver long, but they can't mentally play the rest of the game. So, because it requires, you know, they say that golf is played the six inches from ear to ear. You know, it's not played in the, in the, <laughs> in the field. The 300 and something yards is played in here. And uh, it takes quite a bit of, of uh, concentration and, and learning to be able to do that. But, you know, it's, as athletic sports are, we have to be strong. And I, I believe that we're getting there. I think that after the last few weeks, I would hope that some of us are going back to their Bibles and praying and, and, and reading their scriptures and, and growing and maybe going back to some of uh, our old teachings. Uh, I encourage you to, to go back to Growing Pains. Uh, it's a, a series that I did here, and, and uh, you can do, find that on our YouTube page, or I believe it's still on our app. If you go back far enough on our app and you don't find them, you can still go to the YouTube page, and then everything is there. Because the app only holds so many. Is that right, Gus? Did I do good there? Okay. All right. So we've been, we've been, we're strengthened, and now we need to learn the playbook. So you have these players that come into the NFL, and they play for a team for a little while, and then they change to another team, and all of a sudden, they're not as good as they were with the team before. And it takes a few games. Why? Because they have to learn a, plan, a brand new playbook. So now we're strengthened, and we're about to play whatever sporting game you want. Now we have to learn what the playbook says to do, right? So we've strengthened ourselves. We've grown spiritually a little bit. We're in the process of growing. We're all in that process. And now we're going to uh, find out what it is that we can use our training uh, and our strength so that we can have the victory, amen? Our scripture reference for the next three weeks is going to be Mark chapter 5, verses 22 through 34. Mark 5, 22 through 34. If you see me going slower, it's because 
Wednesday nights is teaching me to kind of give you an opportunity to look up scriptures and stuff. I know they're behind me, but uh, I usually just boom because they end up up here. Where is it? Where's the scripture? Oh, I like that. That's pretty cool. Yeah, there it is. Good job, Gus. Look at the guy with the robes. All right. I never know what's up there because I never turn around. <laughs> Mark 5, 20 through, 22 through 34. And behold, one of the rulers of the synagogue came, Jairus by name, and when he saw him, he fell at his feet and begged him earnestly, saying, My little daughter lies at the point of death. Come and lay your hands on her, and she, that she may be healed, and she will live. You see a confession there by any, by any means? Lay your hands on her, and she will live. Lay your hands on her, and we'll see what happens. Lay your hands on her, and I hope. No, he says, lay your hands on her, and she will live. So Jesus went with him, and a great multitude followed him and thronged him. Now a certain woman had a, had a flow of blood for 12 years, and had suffered many things from many physicians, I can never say that word. I try, but many doctors. And she had spent all that she had and was no better, but rather grew worse. Listen, when she heard about Jesus, she came behind him in the crowd and touched his garment. For she said, if only I may touch his clothes, I shall be made well. I will be made, if I just touch his garments, I, this is what she said, immediately, everybody say immediately. immediately, the fountain of her blood was dried up and she felt it in her body that she was healed of the affliction. And Jesus immediately, knowing in, him, in himself that power had gone out of him, turned around in the crowd and said, who touched my clothes? His disciples said to him, you see the multitude thronging you, and you say, who touched me? Duh. And he looked around to see her who had done this thing, but the woman, fearing and trembling, knowing that what had happened to her, came and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. And he said to her, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your affliction. We see clearly here the four steps taken by the woman with the issue of blood. Number one was say it in verse 28, to do it in verse 27, receive it in verse 29, and tell it in verse 33. See, these are the four steps that we're taking after our strengthening program of, one, meditate on the word or in the word, both, practice the word, give word first place, and instantly obey the, ver the word of the spirit or the voice of the spirit. That is our strengthening program. Now what do we do? Now we say it, we do it, we receive it, and we tell it. It's an action to our strength. See, we've been working out, and we've been reading our Bible, and we've been praying, and we've been asking God these things, right? And now we're in the playbook. So the question here, the, I guess the first prayer that we need to pray before we work our way into say it, do it, receive it, and tell it, is what does God expect of me? Let's say that together. 
What does God expect of me? One more time. What does God expect of me? Well, that's a little different. I'm always praying what, God, what I expect of God because his word says. And he said he would do this for me. But the word also asks us to do something. The word also shows us that he expects something from us. Even in our faith walk. We have our part to play in that. The one thing that we can be absolutely sure of is that God will always do his part. As long as we do ours. What does God expect of me? That's a prayer of a mature person. A spiritually mature person. Try that prayer. Whenever you're praying, God, what do you want from me? What do you expect from me? God, what can I do to better your kingdom? God, tell me what, what my part in the body. God, how can I serve you? God, how can I do this? It'll change your prayer life, and he might just answer you. So number one, say it. This is your confession of victory. So this is how, this is our training for the victory. That's what we're doing now. We were strengthening before now we're training for the victory. There are two parts to everything you receive from God. The part God plays and the part you play. God is not going to fail on doing his part. If you do your part in total faith, you can be sure of an answer and the victory. Who wants to who plays a game to lose? Nobody. I fought the good fight. I ran the race. Right? We, we do these things to win. And yeah, we learn from our losing, but what do we learn? We learn how, what not to do next time so we could win. Oh, I lost again. Okay, then let's learn what we did so we don't do it again so we could win. It's those people who don't give up that end up winning, no matter how, how many times they lose. If you do your part in total faith, you can be sure of the answer and the victory. If you are defeated, you're defeated by your own lips. Your tongue will defeat you. But it will also give you the victory. You have defeated yourself if you lost. Proverbs chapter 6, verse 2. You are snared by the words of your mouth. You are taken by the words of your mouth. Let me read that in the Amplified. Look at this. You are snared or entrapped with the words of your lips. You are caught up by the speech of your mouth. See, the words that come out of your mouth trap you. What are you saying about your circumstance? Let, let me, and I, and I've, I've said this before when I've taught on confession. Not only what are you saying about your circumstance, what are you saying to your circumstance. Because sometimes we go before God and we plead and we cry and, and he hears those prayers and we pray to him and we ask him to do something when he's up there going, I have empowered you to do something. I have given you the authority and the power of the kingdom to go and speak to these things and not just ask me to do it. You know, when you're growing up, and we were talking about growing up spiritually last time and strengthening, and you go to your, your dad, and how do you do this, and how do you do that, and he teaches you, and he teaches you, right? And, you know, you're five, six, seven years old. Uh, I bought my grandson a, a set of uh, 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 toddler golf clubs, 
So I went outside, and, and you know, we're out in the front, and I put the ball on the grass. He goes, why do we play on the grass? And I was like, because that's where you play golf. He goes, why can't I put the ball on the sidewalk? I said, okay. Rather than go through all that, we'll put the ball on the sidewalk. So I went to the sidewalk, and there's, you know, the little cracks in the sidewalk. In between one piece and another, there's a little bit of dirt in there. So I got a tee, and I stuck it in between there, and I put the ball on top of it. <laughs> because you can't stick it in the sidewalk. But I stuck it in one of those. I put the ball up there, and then I showed him. I said, this is how you're going to grip the thing. And I put one hand on there, and you're supposed to. It's a little strange, but this is how you grip a, a golf club. You put this finger inside there, and then you bring your finger over the top like that with this thumb inside, and that's how you grip. The club doesn't. It stays exactly where you need it. Keep your left arm straight. You know, I'm trying to teach him all these things. And he doesn't get any of it. But he did get the grip because the next time I handed him the golf club, he went, now, he swung at that ball, and he missed it 100 times. <laughs> but he got the grip. He learned something, yeah. right? 5, 6, 7, 8, 10, 15, 18 years old. If he, if he still just has the grip, and he's using, using toddler clubs, and he's swinging at the ball and missing still, something's wrong. Right? So it's okay to start off slow. It's okay not to be able to do things a certain way. But man, when you learn, as you keep going, as you keep going, and how do you do that? I'm going to, that's how I learned how to play golf. I'm going to hit this ball one, and I was already an adult. I was frustrated. It took me six months just to hit the ball. Proverbs 18, 21. Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruit. Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruit. Love what? Death or life? Yeah. Either one. Where, where's love? It's in your heart, right? And that's where your words come from. So you're either going to confess life or you're going to confess death. And you will eat the fruit of that confession. An anonymous writer puts it this way. You said that you could not, and the moment you said it, you were whipped. You said that you did not have faith, and doubt rose up like a giant and bound you. You talked failure, and failure held you in bondage. Watch this. You said you could do all things in Christ, and faith rose up. You said you had faith to overcome any situation, and your actions backed you up. You spoke victory into the circumstance, and the giant fell to the ground. Yeah. I would have put my name on that. An anonymous writer said, you said you could not, and in that moment you said it, you were whipped. We're not talking mind over matter here or, you know, if you say it, then it'll happen. And if you have good feelings, then you'll have good things. And, you know, that's all worldly, uh, a worldly uh, uh, copy of this. But we're talking about confessing God's word over your situation. We're talking about faith over fact. See, we don't deny that there's facts that are out there about certain things. But faith always trumps that. Faith always does. Psalms 107.20. He sent out his word and healed them. He rescued them from the grave. 
Matthew 24, 35. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. Psalm 119, 89. Forever, O Lord, your word is settled in heaven. <laughs> you must find your promises and confess them day and night. Stand on the word and God will give you what you confess out of his word. So we've taken this, this teaching about confession and we've confessed things completely outside of God's word and we want God to do something about it. And then we come up with our own way of how we're going to have a victory over things when he's already told us how. Right? And then we come up with our own confessions and our own things that we want to say and we want, and we want God to do. And if it's not according to this, it's not going to come to pass. See, he will do what he said he would do. You will do what he said you will do. And you will do what you say you will do. Say that again. He will do what he said he would do. You will do what he said you will do. And you will do what you say you will do. It's all about what you say. What am I saying about myself? What do you see in the mirror? What are you listening to? What are people saying about you? You know... <laughs> I was talking to somebody the other day, and we were, we were talking about college. He's a young man, and, and he said, you know, uh, he was talking about studying something, and I said, how did you do in high school? And I didn't, I didn't do so well. I said, okay, you made it through high school? Yeah, I made it through high school. I said, so studying is not for you? He says, no, I'm not that smart. And I stopped him right there, man. I said, listen, don't let the education system of this country or any country determine whether you're smart or not, right? Because you can't say that because you can't do calculus or you can't you know, write grammatically correct or you can't read fast enough or you can't do this or the other. You're not smart. God doesn't make junk. Your education does not determine whether you're smart or not. It just determines whether you're educated or not. That's all it determines. I've seen some awesome ministers of God that have preached the word their entire life and, and barely had a high school diploma. I've seen men called by God to be evangelists and never went to Bible school. That doesn't mean that you get to, to cut out if you can't go, but if you're able to go, you should go. In Acts, they went to the school of Tyrannus for a couple of years, and then they were called Christians because there was a school of prophets. They had schools in the Bible, but not everyone went, and God still used them. So what are you saying about yourself? What are other people saying about you? You know, our world tends to determine uh, uh, what a beautiful woman looks like. What do they know? They didn't make you. God made you. God don't make junk. I think all women are beautiful. Not one of them even holds a candle up to my wife, but I think they're all beautiful. <laughs> he has one too. <laughs> 
Guys, this is your opportunity to look at your wife and do something or say something, man. I could not have opened that door better than that for you. So if you're sitting at home on the couch with your wife, this is your opportunity to say something. Just don't tune us out yet. <laughs> Hebrews chapter 13, 5 through 6. Hebrews 13, 5 through 6. Let your conduct be without covetousness. Be content with such things as you have. For he himself, capital H, he himself has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. He himself said that he will never leave you nor forsake you, verse 6, so that we may boldly say, come on, the Lord is my helper, I will not fear what man can do to me. Because of what he said, I can say, I don't have fear, and I don't care what man can do to me because he can't touch me. Amen. So we boldly say, why? Because he already said, I will not fear what man can do to me. There's power in these words. And the problem is that we have so many words in our world. There are millions of, world, of words in the world. They're written in books, newspapers, blogs. In thousands of places we find words. They're just words. Then there are words written in the Bible. Thousands of them. They're there in this miracle book. Some of them just look like any other word or words that we read in any other place. They're spelled the same. They're phonetically spoken the same, but they are different. These words are not the same as any other word. Jesus said in John 6, 63, It is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh profits nothing. Listen, the words that I speak to you are spirit and they are life. Proverbs 4, 20 through 22. My son, my son, give attention to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. Don't let them depart from your eyes. Keep them in the midst of your heart. For they are what? Life to those who find them and health to all their flesh. Do I need to write you a prescription? Take this three times a day. Come on. Take this three times a day for whatever ails you. You know, in the old days, they had these little bottles. And, you know, in, in the Western days, they had these little bottles. And they would go around, and these guys, you know, would sell you all kinds of oils and, and things that, you know, got you drunk. So, oh, I, I feel better. Of course you do. You just drank 150-proof whiskey, right? <laughs> of course you feel better. In about an hour or two, you're not going to feel so good again. <laughs> right? But this, take this. You know, the word prescription means written before. before. This is our prescription. Yes. This is our medicine to our flesh. Yes. These words are alive. Yes. These words are powerful. Yes. But they are only powerful if we speak them out of our mouth. Yes. Because he said... We boldly say. 
He said, if we don't say anything, right? We have our part to play here. Do your part. Because he said. I did Proverbs. The Bible says the scripture is God breathed. Though the words in the Bible look like all the other words, they're definitely different. They're God's words. God has breathed life into them. And when, he ta- when we take these God-breathed words and confess them, miracles happen. The greatest miracle of all is our salvation. And it operates through our words. Romans chapter 10, verses 8 through 10. But what does it say? The word, the word is near you. In your what? Mouth. And in your heart, that is the word of faith which we preach. That if you, what? Confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. It's not enough that you get it here. You has to come out of here. Look at what he, what he says. He says, salvation. We automatically take that word and we say, well, that's fire insurance. So if I confess with my mouth, that's why we have what's called the sinner's prayer. You know, that's not in the Bible. That's something that we kind of came up with, and that's okay. They're confessing their sins, and they're repenting of what they've done. Or you know, Jesus never did that. He said, his prayer was, follow me. Follow me. That was it. And they followed him. That's simple. It means you have to turn from whatever you're doing to follow him. That's repentance. But here in Romans 10, this word salvation is more than just fire insurance. It means deliverance, preservation, safety, deliverance from the enemy. In an ethical sense, that which concludes to the soul's safety or salvation of messianic type of salvation. That's your fire insurance. Salvation is the present possession of all true Christians. Salvation doesn't happen when you die. It happens the moment you get saved. Future salvation, which is the sum of benefits and blessings, the sum of benefits and blessings which the Christians redeemed from all earthly ills will enjoy after the visible return of Christ from heaven in the consummated and eternal kingdom of God. The word is soteria. It's salvation. That's what that means. When you confess Christ and you receive him, would you believe in your heart and you confess that you believe this gospel that's being preached? Your whole life changes at that moment. And all of a sudden, these words are breathed. God-breathed words are breathed into you. That same one that that was flesh, that was words and became flesh, the word became flesh and became alive, now lives inside of you. That's why when you hear the word and you learn the word, it's not just a a knowledge-based thing that you pick up. It begins to change you into who? Into Christ. The word became Christ. The word became flesh. So as this starts to go inside of you, you become like Christ. Like, right? So the word became flesh. 
Are you getting this? So when you start taking the word and using it and it's in your heart and you're confessing it, all of a sudden you become like Christ. There's only one reason why he said, you will do greater things than I. Jesus said that about you and about me. He said, you're going to do greater things than I have done because I'm about to send you the helper. I'm about to send you the power of God, and it's going to come live inside of you. And you know how you activate that? Through the word. Through the word. It's living inside. It's like a stick of dynamite. Unless you put fire to it, it's, it's, it's powerful. It's dudamus, right? Dynamite. But if you don't put fire to it, the, you know, you have the power of God inside of you. But if you don't put the word to it, you can misuse the power, can't you? And it may not even work for you. If the greatest miracle of all comes to pass by your confession and by what you say according to the word that has been preached to you, then the fullness of this salvation comes by continued confession of faith. In Matthew 12, 37, in the Amplified Version, Matthew 12, 37, for by your words, say my words, by your words, you will be justified and acquitted. And by your words, you will be condemned and sentenced. (laughs) You almost want to go, I ain't saying anything ever again. <laughs> right? I I don't want I want the good stuff, but I don't want the bad stuff so bad that I'm just going to be quiet. I'm going to stay right in the middle. It doesn't work that way. <laughs> You're saying something. Even the mute say things. Right? I hope I didn't say anything bad there because I don't know sign language. <laughs> By your own words, you are delivered from what you deserve. And sometimes we confess what we deserve because that's how we operate. We think that people need to get what they deserve. But God doesn't operate like that. Because if we would have got what we deserved, we wouldn't be here. (laughs) And we get what we don't deserve too, right? Blesses us. Mark 11, 23 through 25, very familiar. I love these scriptures. If you get this today, your, your, your confession, your mouth is going to become a weapon. Mark 11, 23 through 25, it says, For surely I say to you, whoever says, whoever, say, not, whoever prays to God to move this mountain, no, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes those things that he says will be done. He will have whatever he says. Therefore, I say unto you, whatever things you ask. Okay, now we, now we went from telling something to happen to asking something. When you ask, when you pray, believe that you receive them and you will have them. And whenever you stand praying, if you have anything against anyone, forgive them, that your Father in heaven may also forgive you your trespasses. See, we're used to the prayer of asking. We ask God for this, and we say, God, your word says, and we ask, and we ask, and we ask. What we struggle with 
is using the word to say something to our circumstance. To say something to the enemy that may be causing our circumstance. Or to say something to the weakness that we have in our lives that is causing us to go through what we're going through. You know, sometimes we blame, you know, I don't feel sorry for the devil, but sometimes we blame him for stuff that he didn't do. Satan's got me, man. He's taking me down. and You know, I just well, keep, quit doing drugs. Get delivered. Go get some help. Say, ask, confess, proclaim. You shall have what you say. These scriptures, Mark eleven twenty three through 25, are full of say, ask, confess, or proclaim. Look at this, Joel 3, verse 10. And you, you need to read this in context. I can't preach it now. I don't have the time for that. But look, at, I had to leave the first part because we always, we always say the last part of this and we don't say the first part. It says, beat your plowshares into swords and your pruning hooks into spears. Let the weak say I am strong. Let the weak say I am strong. Let the weak Say, I am strong. He's telling these farmers that are, they're not warriors. These are not David's mighty men. Right. right? These guys are farmers. Now, they might be a little bit strong because they farm the ground and they do certain things, but they are not warriors. He says, listen, take the equipment that you're using to, do, to, to feed yourself. It's time to fight. It's time to make those into swords and make them into shields. It's time to take your equipment that you use to do your vocation, and it's time to turn them into weapons because we're going after the enemy. And how do we do that? By, tell, by saying, I am strong. That's why he tells them, let the weak say I am strong because he's telling these farmers to become warriors. And he wouldn't ask them that if he didn't believe that they could. Psalms 27.1, a psalm of David. It says, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? That's a good confession. We started the service you know, uh, just a little while ago by me saying, don't operate in fear. It's okay if your faith is not at a place where it should be or that you feel confident in, in doing certain things, but don't let fear steal your life. It's robbing us of our lives. It's robbing many of, our, of their lives. I know people haven't come out of their house in 18 months. That's not life. Let the sick say, with his stripes I am healed. Surely he has borne my sickness and carried my pains. With his stripes I am already healed. The Lord is my healer. He has taken my sickness from the midst of me. These are all scripture words. Listen, I feel stronger just saying them, even though I'm preaching to you. It is. You put these words out into the physical realm, and it changes everything. Psalm 103, verses 1 through 3, it says, Bless the Lord, O my soul. And all that is within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all of his benefits, who forgives all my iniquities and heals all my diseases. 
Let's not go to God and say, heal me, heal me, heal me. No, forget not his benefits. Forget not the things that he has written in this living word. Let's not forget those things. Oh, I prayed and God didn't. Well, how much of that was the word? How much of that did you confess and profess? You know, God has a language. There's a vocabulary that God created. You know, we say it's written in these words. It's, this is English, right? But God speaks heart language. What's in your heart? The medicine I'm taking three times a day. God said all of your sickness. Because saying it, begin saying it and, and watch the miracle that is in your mouth come to pass. Let the troubled say, Psalm 46.1, let the troubled say, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Declare, it says, declare, God is with me. He is my helper. If God is for me, who can be against me? Who? Come on now, you should be, we should be, man, we should be strutting by this point. Who's going to be against me? Who? Right? Who's going to be against me? If God is for, but how do you, you know, if God is for me, no, these are his words. Declare, declare. You know what a declaration is? God is with me. He is my helper. If God is for me, who can be against me? That's my declaration. I'm declaring that. <laughs> it makes me happy. I don't know about you, but I'm a victor, not a victim. Come on. Let the fearful say, Psalm 27, 1 and 2, let the fearful say, the Lord is my light and my salvation, whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life, of whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked came against me to eat up my flesh, my enemies and foes, they stumbled and fell. Huh? You're going to come against me? Do you not realize that I have a weapon? That I carry my sword and I know how to use it? I've been strengthened. I've grown up spiritually and now I'm being trained to use it. Huh? Come on. Let the one in need say, Psalm 23, 1, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Look up the word shepherd and study it. He takes me to greener pastures where there's 
food to eat that's good for me. He takes me to waters that are clear and crystal and, and, and clean that I can drink. He wipes the stuff out of my eyes, the gunk out of my eyes that the enemy put there so he can blind me for the things of God, right? He shears my, the hair away from me. He helps my infectious ears that hear things that shouldn't be hearing, right? He pulls me away when I need to be pulled away. He'll feed me with his own hand if I need be. He's my shepherd. He cares for me. And I know his voice. You ever seen that? I think we, we showed it here one time. The shepherd called, they, they had these people, and I think it was in Israel, and they're standing there, and they, they, the guy goes, go ahead, call my sheep, say this or say that, and he says the thing, and then the shepherd comes out and says exactly the same thing. And all these sheep come out of the valley over the hill, and they come because they know his voice. They had several people say exactly the same thing, and the sheep didn't even come. And the one guy says it, boom, and they all come running. Because they know his voice. He's the one that cares for me. He's the one that feeds me. He's the one that heals me. He's the one that takes care of me. I have no need because the Lord is my shepherd, and I shall not want Philippians 4.19, very familiar. And my God shall supply all of my needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. If you don't know where to start and what words you're going to begin to put into your heart to begin to confess, go to Philippians chapter 4. And just read Philippians chapter 4. Be anxious for nothing, but in all things through prayer and supplication, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace that surpasses all understanding will guard my heart and my mind. 13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. 19, he shall supply all my needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. What makes that powerful? The fact that I said it. Not I said it. You could say it too. I don't make it powerful. God makes it powerful. But if you leave it written on these pages, it's just ink and paper. But if you begin to say it into your circumstance and you begin to, to, man, now all of a sudden your strength and your growth, oh, becomes uh, something that you use. And how do you use it? By using the playbook. Call out the play. That's what they do. 42 blue! (laughs) Omaha! You guys know Peyton Manning, right? He used to yell that. I don't know what it means. I don't think he knows what it means. He's just like yelling it. Omaha! It's like, is he, he's not even from there, is he? <laughs> and they stand there and they look. And when they look, they say, okay, something changed. We're going to go from a pass play to a running play. And he stands up and he yells and declares a different play from the playbook. And then all those that are defending him on the line and those that are running the play for him, they go and they do exactly what he says. Come on. And he throws the ball downfield and there's a touchdown. Victory. Right? Victory. Because we follow the playbook. We declare what's in the playbook. Right? And those angels and, and things that are under our command, they go and they do what needs to be done. Why? Because I declared it. I spoke it into existence. You have that power inside of you to say these things and change your circumstances. 
Next week, we're going to pick up on do it. And then week three, we're going to put receive it and tell it together. But this is our training for victory. I couldn't just, I couldn't skip through today's. Say it, do it, receive it, tell it. Next week, we're going to do it. Right? You can call out the play, but if, if you say, Hut! and nobody moves, right? The play doesn't come to pass. Amen? Stand to your feet this morning. Thank you, Lord. We love you, Father. We glorify your name, Lord. Ricky, would you come up and play a little something? Thank you. My son, in whom I'm well pleased. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for your word. The power of your word. Woo. Thank you, Lord. Father, I want to make some declarations over this congregation today. I want to put words out there that will change circumstances. Lord, it says that by the stripes of Jesus... They are already healed. I declare that word. And Jeremiah says, you are the Lord that heals us. Thank you, Lord, for your healing upon our bodies and our minds. It says that we may prosper in our soul. Let our soul prosper, Lord. And our minds get in line with your word. Your word says, fear not, for I am with you. Fear not, for I am with you. Thank you, Lord, that you are with us. Of whom shall I be afraid? We are more than conquerors through Christ Jesus. More, not just conquerors, more than conquerors. Thank you, Lord. Lord, in the areas that we are weak, we declare them to be strong. Strengthen our weakness. We declare them strong with our mouths. We declare our children that are away from your will, Lord, this morning. We declare them serving you. As the prodigal son returned, we declare with our mouths that they shall return. For those in our lives that don't follow you, Lord, or may not know you, our family members, Lord, we declare them saved through the gospel of Jesus Christ, that they too would make the confession. We put these words out there, Lord, knowing that there's power in what we say. And whatever's keeping us from moving to the next level. Whatever mountain in its, is in, its, in our way, Lord, we speak to it today. Be moved. Be moved in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for your word and the power of your word. Help us to tame our tongues and profess and confess what's right and what's according to your will, Lord. Spirit, 
and life. 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 Not death, but life. Jim, we declare life. Those who are in the hospital suffering from COVID, life! In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I pray that as of today, Lord, our confession would change. Lord, that we would feed ourselves the word and that would be our vocabulary in every circumstance in the powerful name of Jesus. I want to encourage you to join us on Wednesday night for the Fishers of Men Discipleship. We, we kind of started this last Wednesday and it was, it was powerful, man. I just really enjoyed it. I, we sat in a circle and people shared different things. We're, we're heading into chapter Matthew chapter 5. In the first part, the Beatitudes. So if you want to read that before you come and you have something to say about it or questions or comments, I don't have all the answers, but I was so blessed. Others shared and I, I was ministered to. And this is the part of, of the church that's missing in a lot of churches is discipleship. And that only happens face to face in small groups. And I'm not there. I'm there to facilitate the group, but I'm not there to preach at you. I'm there to, to share and to receive from you, too. That iron may truly sharpen iron. Amen. We had someone quote that scripture and said to me, metal sharpens metal. And I said, no, that's not what it says. See, metal has many forms and has many densities. But iron is iron. And if you have a metal that's softer than another metal and you use them to sharpen each other, only one gets sharpened. Think about that. Only one of those metals gets sharpened. But iron? Iron against iron has the same density, the same strength. And as you put those together, they sharpen each other. So we both come out sharp. <laughs> I don't know about you, but I want my weapon to be sharp, right? I don't want to go into a fight with a, with a butter knife, right? I want it sharp on both sides, a two-edged sword, a two-edged sword, right? Learn to wield your sword. By the confession of your mouth. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening to the New Life Bible Church podcast. If you're ever in the Central Florida area, consider this a standing invitation for you to join us. We would love to meet you. Services are Sundays at 10:30 a.m. and Wednesdays at 7 p.m. If this message blessed you, imagine what it would be like in person. Keep up with everything going on at New Life on our website, orangecitychurch.com. New Life Bible Church, you will never be the same.